0: And welcome back to Doctor Drill's Making Motivation Podcast. Today is February 23rd in the year 2024. I just gave a very rich and powerful, <laughs> and it friggin' killed my recorder here. I got a Zoom Podtrack P4 that has really not let me down, and I have a very special friend with me today. We're going to be making some motivation. You know, the Making Motivation Podcast is all about honoring interesting and authentic people and telling their stories, and in the process, maybe put some smiles on faces, a little fire under the asses of the masses, and uh, just kind of open people's eyes and hearts to uh, to what's going on in the world, and, and so today I've got a friend, she's called, her name is um, <clears throat> number 10, I call her, or Diaz, okay, but her name, her proper name is Marianne Lucas, and she's going to share with us a little bit about her experience, she is from Pennsylvania, but currently lives in Peru, where she is a pastor, and she's going to be sharing all about her experiences living in Peru and living abroad and and what uh, the comparison between life in America and life in South America, North America, that's Mm -hmm. a big, that's a common thing, right, when Mm -hmm. people say, uh, yeah, America, but there's a North and a South America, right, Mm -hmm. so, all right, so go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself there, ten.
1: All right, well, my name is Marianne Lucas, like he said, and um, I have been overseas for over 11 years now. I spent six years in, in the Patagonia and in Argentina and now over five years in the Amazon Rainforest in Pucallpa, Peru. And before that, I lived here in Pennsylvania for, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 years. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. And then I'm ri- originally from Northern New York, not the city, the con- uh, the state.
0: <laughs> Where are New York?
1: Um, it's called Adams Center, New York. And uh, the one of the famous things from Adams Center, New York, is the guy who wrote the Arbor Day poem is from there. Oh, really? So that's kind of like our famous little thing. Very, very small town. Small. To how many How yeah. many
0: people graduate in class?
1: Um, like 100, 125 were in my school, but that was from different, not just our town, all of the little towns came to that one high school.
0: Little hamlets.
1: Yes, yes. So, and my parents live out in the middle of like 20 acres of protected wetlands. Very cool. Yes. Beautiful country, upstate Mm -hmm. New York. So, and uh, I don't know if you know this, my dad is a 20-year military air force. No, no, no.
0: I Uh, did not know that. Yes.
1: So, um, I grew up in the military, on military bases for 20 years, like all of my childhood.
0: I apologize for that. I yeah,
1: say, is that a good? I, sometimes I think it's I think it's good because I think it prepared me for a lot of making changes and adapting to new, to new places. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it'll definitely do that. I always say when people say, "Oh, yeah, you know, I, I was, uh, you're in the Marines, uh, Yeah, I was in the Army, or I married to a Marine for whatever," I'll say, "Oh, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah." Don't, don't hold <laughs> against me. I say.
0: Yeah. But um,
1: I'm sure it's a very different lifestyle. Yeah!
0: Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> So how did you wind up in uh, Peru?
1: All right. So like, all right, I've been, I lived here for many, many years. I was invited from New York here to help a pastor start a church. So many, many years ago. And um, and so I've been here and I was like, you know, I was working. I, w- I worked in purchasing. I liked it. I liked everything about it. I like working with people. So And I always liked the different cultures. I worked at a company that had so many different cultures in the middle of Philly. So I would drive into Philly every day. But then I was just like, I always wanted to do something more. I felt like I had something more I could do or wanted to do. And never, ever thought I would live in a foreign country. Never. I didn't even know Spanish. Mm -hmm. So I had an opportunity um, through a series of layoffs and things. I was like, I'm free. So let's do something. Let's just do something, an internship, uh, ministry type inter- internship and so I had the opportunity to go to Argentina with the idea I would go for five months and come back mm-hmm. and the first day I was there I was like not coming back really? Yeah it, it was just uh, I just knew the very first day I was there that this is what I was called to do and
0: okay, okay explain
1: All right so well being being a minister um, being a follower of Christ I felt like God was calling me and saying hey this is where you're supposed to be and the way he always works with me, he never shows me the path before. Right. He, like, puts me there and It's where it's like, okay, yes. So, like, if, if he would have told me before, I would have been, there's no way. Really? <laughs> but I'm in Argentina, and I was like, okay, I can do this. It's not so difficult. I need to learn Spanish. So I spent three years trying to learn the language, and now i'm fluid in it i used to cry everywhere because i couldn't understand anything
0: no llores, no llores. yeah does that mean cry <laughs> yeah right. yeah i know a couple things eh?
1: <laughs> so but uh yeah so it started out like that and then um literally in my five-month school they always they always do a trip during the school my trip happened to be in pucapa peru pucapa. and i hated it i hated every waking moment of it it's hot it's sweaty it's humid there were more mosquitoes than you can imagine. And I was like, I just do not like this. And I'm like, I'm never coming back to this godforsaken place. That was pretty much my, my response.
2: <laughs> then
1: I decided to stay and work with, I decided I would, I would work and train with young people. And so I started leading the schools. And every year we would have our trip, I would get Bucapa, Peru. And after the second or third time, I was like, you know what, I kind of like this place. It's not so bad. I think I want to be part of the project. I didn't realize the project meant I was going to be living there. So, um, and I went to my leadership and said, hey, I'd like to go. You know, I'm kind of, I kind of like Pucallpa. I like the green. It's one of my things. I love green. Lots of green. Patagonia, desert. Um. There's no green. It's sand and dry brush everywhere. Ooh. And I was like, I'd go to Pucalpa and I'd be like, oh, this place is so beautiful. It's so lush, it's so green. And then I'm like, I like the people. I love the food. So I'm like, I could do this. And so I went to my leadership and they're like, go. Make a team and go. So I just kind of waited and and I think it was like a year. And then we just moved to Peru with a team of four and three Argentinians and myself. And we moved (laughs) into this house. And the very first night we were there, I'm lying in my bed in the room that we were sleeping in, and I could see the stars because it's open. Mm. And it's not supposed to be open, but it was open. um, And I could see the stars, and I'm like, we've got to get some mosquito nets, like, tomorrow. (laughs) Wynn got mosquito nets, and, like, the house that we were living in, we were literally right next to the woods, like, right next to the jungle. So we had tarantulas like you wouldn't believe. All the time, I'd be lying in my in my bed. I called it my cave because I would sit in there all the time because I knew it was the safest place. <laughs> and like a tarantula would crawl up the wall of the mosquito net. And I'm like, I'm so glad that's on the outside. How big? <laughs> they're like a baseball. Not like a baseball. Yeah, they're like a hamburger, oh you know, kind gosh. of a good size hamburger. And um, not the biggest ones, but they're still pretty intimidating when you're here, you know, the biggest spiders, those wolf spiders that you find in your basement. Yeah. And, you know, you used to flip out because it's as big as a quarter. You see their eyes when you come Yeah. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, dear Lord. (laughs) I looked it up just to see if they bite me. Am I going to die? Is something going to happen? I'm like, oh, no, it's just like a bee sting. So.
0: Oh, really? The tarantulas?
1: I've never been bitten by one, but I I had to look it up because I needed to know how scared I needed to be of this tarantula. Yeah. And after that, I was like, I can handle that. You know, I have a healthy fear of bees too, so.
0: Do they, now let me ask you about the tarantulas, did they, um, are they aggressive or are they just kind of like most things? Defensive. If you yeah. step, if you yeah. roll over on it, if yeah. you, they're going to bite you maybe. But. Yeah.
1: I have a lot of tarantula stories, but nice. yeah. Um, just sitting at the table and I'm just sitting there and one of the staff is like, don't move. I'm like, and I knew exactly what it was. and I'm like, how big is it? He goes it's pretty big i'm like where is it at he goes it's on your shoulder i'm like okay i'm not moving but do it quickly you get one shot (laughs) so he had the broom and swung it and so they got it but yeah so there's a couple of those kind of stories and and just kind of walking putting on my rain boots and going out and i'm like my sock feels all bunched up take the boot off and a spider and a tarantula comes running out of the boot. And I'm like, that wasn't my sock.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Holy moly.
1: So those are kind of, some of the, they're fun to tell now. They weren't fun at the moment. Right, right. Um,
0: So you, I'm sorry to sidetrack you. I love the the critter stories. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Marianne was describing that um, Mm Pucalpa is, uh, it's, in the amazon rainforest or adjacent to the rainforest right
1: it's it's part of it's called the gateway to the to the jungle okay like that's kind of the freight like the big apples new york yeah pucalpa is the gateway to the jungle
2: wow
0: so then flora and fauna or it's got to be uh, in addition mm-hmm. to the stars it's got to be a tremendous i mean it sounds like compared to argentina with the the life kind of the lifelessness of the mm-hmm. desert this is the opposite of that
1: this is the opposite like even the first house we lived in was right there, and we had this this wall between us and the jungle, and every day there would be this. I don't know if they were a family, but five monkeys, spider monkeys, that would crawl along the edge of the, of the thing. So like we made that our logo, like with with our base, our YWAM base, we put this. Our logo has a monkey on it. I'm like has to have a monkey because right. he's right here.
2: <laughs> That's cool.
1: So the house that we're in, we're we're like two blocks from there. But we're not on the, we're not surrounded by forest. There are other homes. So it's not as likely, like we have had a monkey in our, in our trees jumping around, yeah. but it's not as likely to have just things from the forest come right into our yard. Right. And my dogs don't allow that either. So. <laughs> yeah. How many dogs you got? I have three. Oh, nice. They're they're helpful. They're they're guard f- dogs. Wonderful creatures. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
0: Can you say dog in uh, Spanish?
1: Perro. Perro. Mm-hmm. My
0: barro bogey is going to be coming in probably within forty minutes. There, you, have, hey. you meet bogey, day?
1: I don't know that I have barro. He's
0: a cool. He'd be, he's a good dude. So <laughs> yeah. uh, cool dogs. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, so uh, flora and fauna, dogs, Amazon gateway to the to the jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, are, so what are the what is the culture like?
1: The the Peruvian people in general, not just in the jungle, are very warm. They're very welcoming. Um, I had to break some of my own kind of American kind of things, like um, usually I wait, you know, here you knock on somebody's door and you wait for them to answer the door and then you wait for them to invite you in the house. There I knock on the door as I'm opening it and just welcome myself in and tell them, hey, who's who's here? You know, it usually it's people you know, but it's like yeah. hey the pastor's here and or i'll announce myself as i'm coming through but before it was just really uncomfortable and i wait outside and they're like what are you doing outside come on in Yeah, they're just very welcome and and even people that don't know you will just let you come in and sit down and they'll usually serve you something to to eat or drink they express their they express their love to you in food so and and of course you have to eat or drink whatever they give you yeah even though you have no idea where it came from or what it is you just kind of
0: what would be the, an example of like a, a you know, when you give a company or whatever, what is a common food item and drink?
1: It would be uh, some sort of fruit juice, like a fresh juice, depending on what it is. They have this fruit. We don't have it here. It's called a wahe. Wahe. And um, it's best known like it has a lot of uh, vitamins and stuff for like female hormones. It's supposedly really good for that. But it, it's, it's a fruit. It's a red fruit. It's about the size of a, a small kumquat or something. And then it has, like, a red scales on the outside. Mm, and then I've you have seen pictures of something like this. Yeah, and you move the scales, you remove the scales, and it has a very thin flesh, but it's orange. I can't even compare it to a taste. There's just nothing, and that's, everybody there eats it. Like, you buy, the people sell them in their motor cars, they'll go around, and they'll be like, awahe, awahe, awahe. Or, uh, so they might serve you that. Or they'll serve you like a version of that in like a a frozen popsicle. They call them curichi. Yeah. They're like, do you want a do you want a curichi de oahe? And it 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 has the fruit flavor in it, but then they have a they put a little cinnamon in it. So I'm like, I can I can stomach it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a common flavor. It's something that you would have to get used to. owahe. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Well, nothing's analogous to it? Nothing is.
1: I have not. Uh, maybe like uh, a a non sweet sweet potato maybe okay um would oh, be the the consistency and the taste mm. but it, all the kids are like you know you always see them walking around chewing on them mm. or and they're like <sniffs> spitting, spitting all the that spitting the skin off and then just eating i'm like it's an awful lot of work for a little piece of flesh but yeah. th- those are very common uh, the Carichis, because they can they can get them from their backyard the iwahes are they're everywhere. Yeah. And so it's something, or they'll offer you like a curiche made with cocoa. So it's cocoa and milk and sugar that yeah. they boil and then they freeze it. So they might offer you something like that. Mm. Or if they're eating, they'll offer you whatever they're cooking fish. Usually it's fish or plantains.
0: They're very hospitable people. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, yes. um But they're, and they don't want to offend you. So like, what i found and people told me that at first and then i realized it later like if you stop somebody on the street said can you tell me where um you know we don't have mcdonald's but can you tell me where mcdonald's is and even if they don't know they'll go they'll like look in the air and they'll be like um it's over that way go two blocks and then that way they'll even describe how to get there and there's nothing there because they can't tell you no
0: i used to do that when (laughs) i was a kid we used to do that, the little bastard that I was. We used to somebody, <laughs> somebody from out of town comes in and they're like, they like, "Hey, where's the, uh, you know, this this, uh, you know, this street or where's mm-hmm. the, you know, where's the, you know, lake?" And we'd be like, "Yeah, you just go down here." And it, it was not anywhere. where we were sending them off on a wild goose chase, which is terrible. Yeah. And sometimes they catch us in, in the act and they'd be like, "You sure, kid?" Because yeah. That was kind of like a thing. <laughs>
1: No, they they don't do it with malicious intent at all. They just don't want to tell you they don't no. They want to tell you no. That's wonderful because they want to help you. They want to, and they'll they'll do their best. That's wonderful. Or they'll send you to the next place where they know if you ask them, they might be able to tell you. Yeah. So.
0: That's great. Yeah. Um. Some. So tell me about your mission down there.
1: All right. I work with an organization called Youth with a Mission. It's international. It's in almost every country in the world. And so part of what we're new there. So part of what we do is we have schools where we, we give an opportunity for the ideas like young people, teenagers, young adults would have a missionary experience. They would be able to go to a school. We train them for three months. We do, we do teaching and and classes for three months. So three months of theory and then two months of practical, and then usually send them to different places, um, So far we've had, we're, we're new, we've had three schools. So we did one, we did one outreach that was like, um, because Peru has three regions. It has jungle, it has mountain, and it has coast. And then most people don't know that the coast of, of Peru is a jungle, is a desert. It's that part of the Atacama desert, which is like the second or the third largest desert in the world. And so we did, we did, we did the, the jungle, the jungle mountain desert. So they had experiences in the three different cultures of Peru, um, and then we've sent them to Ecuador. But also in in um, our community, because Peru has over, like, 90 indigenous languages. Whoa. And so that would indicate there's over 90 different types of—see, so you can see the desert there, the Atacama. Yes,
0: as, as uh, Marianne is, is describing the uh, this, this desert and these different ecosystems— of the coast and the mountains and the jungle, I'm looking at it on, the. I guess it would be the east, no, the west coast.
1: The west coast, yes. west
0: coast of Peru and <coughs> Ecuador is to the north, north and then Bolivia, south Chile. Um, so I can see that crescent along the, the coast there, the Atacama Desert, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and there's three different, very varied cultures in, in, in Peru, too. Because you would have, like, most people, when they think of Peru, they think of Machu Picchu, you know, and they think of the people with uh, the colorful wide dresses and the hats and the llamas and things like that, which is, it's very much the mountain region, what we call the Sierra. Mm-hmm. So you would have those people, and they have their distinct culture. They, they have their different languages. Quechua is very common and different, different like, um, dialects of Quechua. And then the coastal region, that's where you would find a, a majority of the people living on the coast in the city of Lima and, you know, a wealthier people. And then you have the people who live in the different communities in the jungle.
0: Right. Where, what was the name of your town?
1: Pucalpa.
0: Pucalpa.
1: Pucalpa.
0: Something that's coming to mind here as you're describing the different ecosystems in parts of Peru. Um, there's this app that I, I found years ago. It's called Radio Garden, and okay. so I can, um, you can tap into like these little icons, uh, little green dots all over the world. Here, as I'm pulling it out of my up on my phone, I can go down to um, I can type in or go to Peru and I can listen to the very music from a station uh, similar yes. to what you, yeah, because I, you're wondering, you know, as you're telling me about the culture and describing your mission and all that, I would love to, um, you know, there's a lot of places where people like to go and, and wonder about, and one of the ways that you could explore that, right, is, is the music and yes. uh, the language and all that stuff. So neat.
1: And then, like, the Lima region, um, like, if you do, like, if you're a foodie, even some of our friends from DDIP have been to Lima, specifically, to to get to know the food. And Lima is is has some of the best food in the world. Oh, really? Like, some of the top ten chefs and foods are found in that region. And uh, I don't live in Lima, yeah. but I have had some of the meals that they would. They would say that you know are the top foods and they're pretty good food. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to complain at all. <laughs> so I'm
0: going to check that out. I'm going to go to Pucallpa and, uh, and or I'm going to go on the radio station and imagine in the future. What whenever I'm I well. <laughs> think of you, I'll put on the radio and and uh, try to take a little uh, a little you know, a journey,
1: a, a cultural musical journey. It's very interesting music. <laughs> How about music? Yeah, the the music's very different Get too. Get you moving. Uh, it, yeah, they're 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 a very um like. They like cumbia, um, salsa, but they have their own style of music that's very jungle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for ooh. lack of a, another term, yeah.
0: I love that. I love the notion of that. I love, mm-hmm. I love uh, what what you're describing. Because
1: they're very, they have their own instruments. Like they have a type. I guess the closest we would call it is like a pan flute, yeah. made of bamboo, that they play, and it's and, and that's usually in their music. The guitar is very common. And then, of course, you know, we have the Peruvian box drum. Mm-hmm. So um, we just call it the cajon. Yeah. So, yeah. I've yep. heard of that. Mm-hmm. And so we even have one all painted up. Some kid painted it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody plays it, but it's there.
0: <laughs> no. Um, cool. Okay. So you you're, you're talking about, you know, I know we're jumping around here a lot. I'm very interested to hear about the culture and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Your, your mission, as you're describing the youth uh, mm-hmm. mission. Um, describe some of the, the, uh, people you work with, you know, who comes to mind when you think about the people that are in your life that mm-hmm. you're working with and you're, you know, um, you're interacting with.
1: Yeah. We work with a lot of volunteers right now. So I have, there's a couple that live in Pucalpa. He actually is a youth with a mission missionary from Brazil. He's Brazilian. And he came on a trip to Pucalpa, fell in love with a girl in Pucalpa and so he got married with her and he lives there. So she's from Pucallpa, born and raised. And uh, she's a teacher and he does a lot of like odd jobs and construction and things. And uh, very helpful, hardworking people. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a couple, I call them my Peruvian family, the Gobea family. Mm-hmm. And they're a family of Peruvians that I got to know through the church that I, I'm the pastor of a church there. And so they come to the church and he is like, the peruvians are very little people i feel very tall there Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know for an american i'm an average woman height you know five 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 six i'm right in the middle there so i'm like at the average woman height but in in pucalpa i'm tall (laughs) i (laughs) I feel like a a very large person um so sometimes it's weird to come home and i take pictures and i'm like the smallest person in the picture and i'm like how did this happen but um the people are smaller there but they're they're so loving and they want to serve like they're in my house right now and they're like cleaning they're landscaping they're 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 fixing all of the 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 mechanical and and all of the things in the house that need to be repaired mm-hmm. you know and they just do it they just want to help and they want to get involved so just a great great family like he called me today to tell me he he sent me a picture they're they're fixing the fence in our church so he's like you know I'm, and they call them faenas. Faenas is when you have a group of people come together and do a, a job for a day. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to announce a faena in the in the WhatsApp group that we have. And hopefully we'll have people come out and we can fix the fence at the church and get everything cleaned up. So he he's just constantly thinking, how can I make it better? They're just very hardworking people. And he gets up early in the morning. He go, He's in charge of the water distribution in the community he lives in. So he gets up. And he's there by 6 o'clock in the morning turning the the water on because they only run the water for certain hours because it's really far out. It's not like there's a constant water source. No. So he has to pump the water into the tanks before 6 o'clock. And then at 6 o'clock, they pump the water out. So. Really? And so he gets up and does that. And then he goes fishing so that he has fish for his family for the day. And then he also, he's, he's very industrious. He has a mechanic shop in his home. So he repairs the motor cars. Um, he studied motors during the pandemic so that he can do more stuff with the motor cars. So people come to him all day long with their, their, their flat tires or with a problem with their motor car. And he just repaired and, and she does, um, she sews. So she has her little signs up all over, you know, if you need clothes or you need something repaired, she sews. So they're very industrious. Um, but these are some of the people that I I work with. These two families are, are a majority and, and then I have some different people from different places that come during an event. So I have a guy from Lima who comes and helps because um, he loves working with teenagers. I'm um, just a great guy and he's a computer a computer teacher, computer science at the high school, mm-hmm. Just is great guy, loves loves teenagers and, and so he's a, every time we have an event he's there. So he flies in from from Lima and helps us. Um, he has a lot of great ideas. You know, just great people who just want to see us succeed. Yeah. And since we're still kind of new, like we don't have our own personality as to what we do, but I'm 100% sure that it's going to be involved in working with indigenous cultures there, um, working with with uh, it, the Shapivu people. The Shapibus are the indigenous people in the Pukapa area. And they have their own entire culture. They have their own language. They have their own clothes. They have their own... They they do embroidering. They embroider clothes and, and tablecloths and napkins and things like that. And uh, so we've been working with a specific group in this one little, this one little village. And uh, just getting to know their culture and understanding. Because it's very different the way we think and the way we do things. And even as the perspective, like, all right, so... When you know, we're ministers and we like to teach the Bible, and something very simple that I just learned recently, and this just helps you understand how things can get so lost in translation the Shapibu people, the rainbow is an evil symbol, it's a symbol of Satan to them, or their version of a Satan. Mm. And so, when you go and you talk about the rainbow as the promise of God, in their eyes, it's just like, uh, what kind of God are you talking about?
2: <laughs> really?
1: So you, you realize that there are these different things in the culture, and and you don't know it until you've been there for a while and learn from them. And then, of course, all the missionaries, we talk to each other about these things. I learned it from another missionary. And I'm like, that's a very interesting thing. So I, I went, and when I was talking to some of the ladies, I asked them. They're like, yeah, but we understand now because somebody taught us that. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I said, but how many more things do you have that maybe haven't been talked about yet? And we just haven't gotten there yet.
0: The uh, you're talking about an interpretation from the indige mm-hmm. to extrapolating to the Bible to the or to the scriptures.
1: Not just not just in that, but just in general, the way of thinking, the way the culture is very different. You know what's acceptable for us. You know, as Ameri- North Americans, because we did talk on yes, that. Yes. I've used the word Americans all the time, and they're like, "We're Americans too," and I'm like, yeah. "You know, that's so true." <laughs> They're just South Americans and we're North Americans. Yeah. But just learning different things like of the culture and what's acceptable um, and the way they dress, the way they think, the way they act. And, you know, it's just trying to – it's not that we're better. It's not that they're better. It's just looking for the understanding. (laughs) You know, one of the things we try to – we try to rescue what's Mm. good from their culture. Yeah. And help them see the parts of their culture that is not good. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and just helping to identify mm-hmm. some of that, but that's long term. That's not
2: right.
0: Try, constantly trying to understand, find common
1: ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: One of the, something comes to mind when you said the. Uh, and I'm proud of myself because I. Uh, <clears throat> I picked up on it because I, it comes from like a social media post or something where mm-hmm. uh, it was it was kind of like a joke, but it was um, it was making it was asking people. Why how they know an American when they come around. Or, you know, what is a, hmm. you know, yeah, how do you know an American abroad? And they say, uh, I'm from America. Yeah. And they overlook that there's a North and South America. Mm-hmm. we I think that most people in societies tend to be a little myopic where they're kind of like, you know, they got a tunnel vision on their, who they are. And, but I think we obviously have a... We struggle with that as America, you know, mm-hmm. with exceptionalism and all that stuff. So it makes me, I always like to hear when you, you know, certainly I was, I was elated to find you back in town and want to come in and get worked on. And, uh, um, but I want to hear about your experiences and what mm-hmm. these people are like. I love to, uh, uh, I love to hear about new cultures and, and perspectives and to try to, so it's awesome. Yeah. Um. Something that uh, you said the other day that I think is really interesting. I don't know what I said that prompted it, but it was like let's say Americans are, or or uh, was it life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. What was the three things, Kama Lama Dama or something? Oh yeah, the
1: like, like, Kama Lama Dama. Is that what I got it right? <laughs> yeah, yep.
0: So it was Kama Dama, Kama Lama Dama.
1: Yes. In in Peru like the three like in a traditional worldview. Um the, the Peruvians are they the llama the lana is money. Lana. Dama is women. Yeah. And then the Kama is rest, sleep. So like you know, it's kind of a joke there, but that's kind of their focus is women, money, and sleep. Yeah. So they look for the rest. Um they're not lazy people by any means, but um I did hear that and, and just like, you know, there is some truth to that. And uh they like their rest. They don't like to be interrupted in siesta time. Yeah. <laughs> so it is a siesta culture. They they're always looking for money. They never have enough. Um and and then, you know, they're the culture of men looking for the women. Yeah. Um that's very common there too. So
0: Um You mean you say they never have enough. Like they don't they feel that way as human beings, like they
1: Um, I think I would say like there is this like mentality of poverty the poverty, we call it the poverty spirit, just this mentality that I'm never going to go above and beyond where I'm at. And usu- and and how does that look? It looks like I'm gonna work today just enough for my food today mm-hmm. and not thinking of tomorrow. It's not thinking of tomorrow. Um, and that's a lot of what I see. I don't see a lot of thinking about tomorrow, which they could do. They could find themselves bettering and advancing, but I think they get lost in, oh, I have what I need for today. So today's good. And so a, a lot of the culture of the community where I work is very poor people. But a lot of the families that I'm working with, they're very industrious and they're looking for ways to me- to mejorar, get their life better. Yeah. Um one of the families, her husband, he's a motor a motor taxi. We call them mo- mototaxistas. They drive around in the motor car which you can pick up 2 to 3 people or sometimes 5 or 6 depending. And, and they'll transport them from place to place because most people do not have transportation. So he does that. So, you know, for a dollar, you're transporting 30 minutes across town, drop the people off, and then you just ride around looking for another ride, take them to somewhere, and then you ride around until you get another ride. So, you know, they might do that for a couple hours to have enough money to buy their chicken for the night.
2: Cool.
1: And then, so he does that, and then she makes bread. So around noontime every day, they start making their, their bread right in their home, um, and uh, they'll make mm. a lot of bread. And then they just sell it to all of the little markets that are on every street corner. And so they'll have their money to put away for, for the day or to be able to buy whatever it is they need. Or they work towards goals. I, I see a lot of people, they'll work towards a goal. You know, let's buy a, let's buy a, a pig. So we need 300 souls to buy a pig. And that's like five days of selling bread, Mo- plus the money that they need for every day. So they're like, okay, so for two weeks we're going to work really hard, and then they rest. A lot of times is what I see is they just kind of work for the goal and then they rest. Mm-hmm. So there's not that mentality that we can get ahead. Uh. But I- I'm seeing some people who who take those efforts, then they're they're getting ahead because they're they're doing more than just what they need. They're doing a little extra and then they save it. It's not like, hey, let's buy a bigger piece of chicken today. Right. It's like we're gonna buy what we normally do, and we're gonna save some. It's like they're they're delaying their gratification for something in the future. Yeah,
0: that's cool. What um what are some things that um your perspective that broaden your perspective, going from the U.S. to Peru, and maybe some things that that people in the West or um, in the cities, maybe take for granted that you know the way of life out there in Pucallpa um, is different.
1: They're very family oriented. Very family oriented. Like they know where their kids are. They they. It doesn't mean that they're not out out and about doing stuff, but sure. um, they're very family oriented. But their kids aren't involved in so many activities like the American culture. The North American culture is activity based. There's so many activities. There's the school, and then there's sports, and then there's like civic. If you're like in the Scouts or in something to that effect, or um, just whatever else might be out there, or you have a hobby. Like the the North American culture is everybody is so busy all the time. Mm -hmm. There's all these activities. Everything is scheduled. You do not see that there. It's a much slower. Um, it's their focus. Their kids focus is education. Um, it is very like their, their focus like is education and career. They, they want their kids to, to graduate. They want them to do well. They want them to go to college. The problem like is you'll find if you go into Lima and you like get a taxi and you start talking to the taxi driver, if you can communicate and most of them, they love to talk because you're going to be in the car for an hour. You're going to find out most of them, the taxi drivers are lawyers, accountants doctors there's just so many of them but there's no jobs oh. so everybody's studying because they're career focused like that's number one career is first studies and career and the kids education is put in front of everything like they'll they'll say you can't go to this activity you can't go to church on sunday because you have homework to do and they just they're constantly working on their studies And it's like, okay, this is 12 years only. And then afterwards, you're going to go to college. And that's just the way. They're more focused on college and career than anything else. And then second would be, there are a lot of focus on sports. And when I say sports, there's only one. It's football. And not football American. It's soccer. And everybody plays soccer. So And every kid on every street corner thinks they're going to be Messi or Guerrero or... Um, Neymar or one of the Ronaldo, mm-hmm. they they think they're all going to be some famous soccer player. And it could be, who knows? But there's thousands of them, and that's just in Bucalpa Yeah, and so it's very sports oriented. You gotta have a dream, you know. Mm-hmm. Like the culture in the afternoons around five o'clock every afternoon, it starts to cool off because it's a very hot culture because it is the rainforest. Mm-hmm. And around five o'clock every day, you'll people will, be, will set up the nets their volleyball nets in the middle of the streets um, the, all of the all of the football fields are full they're they're playing football they're playing volleyball and if they're not doing one of the two they're probably paying, playing bingo in in front of somebody's house mm-hmm. so there's this nature in the afternoon everybody's like going outside to enjoy to play mm-hmm. yeah. and they go out to play they go and they're very they're very active people yeah
0: what, um, let me ask you what, I mean, the <clears throat> name of the podcast is making motivation. So what, mm-hmm. mo- what motivates you? And you can do like a pre post if you, uh, if you'd like, you know, uh, you told the story about what, how you found yourself, how you fell in love with this mission and pursued it.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
0: you know, credit to you. A lot of people do dream like those, mm-hmm. like those little kids run around playing soccer and they there's a million excuses a million obstacles that you can envision in your path and so you had the fortitude to Mm -hmm. go after this and you saw the opportunity that like you said the uh you know the job change situation I think I remember you declaring that that was something you were going to do and of course we were pretty close at least Mm -hmm. in terms of um you know you're one of my boot campers back in the day and that's where the nickname 10 came from she had a Uh, what was the root of...
1: uh, Donovan Landon.
0: Who was that, a soccer player?
1: Yeah, Landon Donovan, I think. Yeah, he was a soccer player for the United States World Cup or something. He was number 10, and I I got a cheap T-shirt at Dick's.
0: (laughs) So I saw where (laughs) part of the uh, the Dr. Drill Instructor program was that everybody that came into the program wound up with a nickname, and sometimes if uh, folks were not awarded, it became like a badge of honor, like an identity within the group, Mm -hmm. right? And so... uh, we were always looking. She just sprung authentically 10. I don't know who who did that. Was that me or was that Bebock? You,
1: or you had it? given me that name okay. I think on the very first day, but I didn't realize you were talking to me. I was just
0: saying 10. Until like
1: the second or third class. And then Barb Thomas yeah. leaned over and she goes, he's talking about you.
0: <laughs> and I was
1: like, but where did he get that from? And then I realized I was wearing a 10 t-shirt. Yeah.
0: So she became number 10. And I believe that uh, Marianne mm-hmm. was a honor grad and was a tremendous credit to the organization. So long story short, when she said that she was going to move to Argentina or pursue this thing, I was simultaneously proud. And of course, I, you know, I was, I was elated to, for her to be pursuing this, but I I knew I was going to miss her and Mm -hmm. she has a huge fan base here as well, but everybody was behind her big time. So motivation, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, the, the root of the, I call this make motivation podcast because. I'm always looking – I'm a motivator, but mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I guess the source of that was the Marines, but there's probably something within me that would express that, and uh, I'm always trying to motivate other people, and so what is – what makes you tick? what What is it about what you do and living where you're living and performing this, you know, God's work that motivates you?
1: All right. Well, um, I guess if I could put a little backstory to it, I think it was the v- – I think it was the very first time I came to uh, the DDIP. It was at Franconia Park. And um, it was not my most beautiful moment. <laughs> I realized how out of shape I was mm-hmm. and, and a, a lot of different things. And I remember we were doing bear crawls in the football field. And I was like, oh, dear Jesus, there's no way I'm going to finish this. <laughs> and, um, and I remember, you know, sidled up. One of the Martinelli sisters sidled up with me. She's like, come on, we can do this. And she just like pushed me through it. And I and I just wanted to never come back. And then the thing that, that struck me was right at the end, we did a human tunnel. Um, everybody did like a, a tabletop and then you had to crawl underneath. And I remember I just stood there and I stared. And I could not get myself to do it because I was afraid of failing. I was like, I can't crawl under there. I, I'm not going to make it. So I didn't do it and i went home and i cried and I, I remember i went home and i said i need to i need to what what fear how much fear did i have that i could not do that i'm like even if i failed now i know i'm like even if i failed the people would encourage me or let me slip out hmm. but um and i was just like i went home and i cried and and i was just like i can't i can't fail if i don't try and i'm like i failed because i didn't try I'm not a failure if I try. And so I, I pushed my, and from that point on, I decided I'm just gonna try everything. I'm just gonna do it, I'm gonna push myself, and, and I found that I broke a lot of my fear. Um, my fear to do, th- I had a lot of pride, and my pride showed in a way that I wouldn't do something if I thought I'd fail, because I didn't wanna follow my face. And so, took a lot of those concepts, I think I was in the program for almost three years, mm-hmm. um, and broke a lot of fears. It got to go to Ecuador once. And I think I've told this story a couple times where we got to go to the back of a waterfall. And to get to the back of the waterfall was this tunnel that you had to crawl through. And and it brought me right back to that moment when I was staring at the human tunnel and I was like, there's no way. And I'm staring at this because I have a fear of tight spaces. And the water's coming in. And I'm like, okay, we can do this. So I start crawling. And then I just, I backed out again. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And I'm like... No, God didn't bring me here to die behind a waterfall. <laughs> and I want to see this waterfall. And wa- And I'm like, if I can break my fear and do the human tunnel, I can do this. So I remember I took off my poncho. I took off all the extra stuff I had. And I just started going. And I literally talked my way through. And I'm like, you can do this, Mary. I was crying. Mm. I was I was so scared and like trembling. I'm like, you can do this. And I finally got to the waterfall. And I was like, Victoria, I did it. I'm putting my hand in the waterfall. And then the reality if I got to get, I have to go back, I have to go back to the tunnel. Turn around
0: through the tunnel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, I did it once, I can do it again. And then I just realized by breaking that fear, by like pushing myself through that, that you can do anything. Mm -hmm. And so I took a lot of that, those three years, I think were molding in a lot of ways just in the idea of I can do hard things. I just have to motivate myself. and, And most everything is mental. Anyway, because I think during that time I wrote, I ran my first half marathon, I ran two of them. I remember that. And I remember that the marathons weren't a matter of physical, but mental. Like even the first, I think the first marathon I fell and it ended up with three stitches in my knee. And I fell in like the first mile of the marathon. But I got up and I was so determined to finish that race, I didn't even look at my knee. I didn't even know how bad it was. And I pushed my way through the whole entire marathon, and I ended up running the whole thing without stopping. My goal was just to finish, and I was going to do it like two or three miles and then walk a little bit. Two, or three. I ran the whole thing, and I just remember it's mental.
2: Yeah,
1: and so it, and it's the same thing with a lot of spiritual things because you can come up with a lot of boundaries a new culture a new language mm-hmm. new ways of doing things new foods to eat they put all kinds of i've eaten alligator feet i've eaten chicken feet i've eaten chicken <laughs> heads <laughs> just these things these things come you're going to you're going to be challenged with things it doesn't matter what vocation in life or where you go but these things come up you know i have my faith behind me but even then i can find that um, a lot of it's mental a lot of, a lot of our faith we 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 think through things because we're human so our mind is play, plays in everything that we do. So I felt like, all right, this is a great opportunity to be able to push myself to learn a new language, to fail because I'm gonna. I don't know how many times I learned swear words and I didn't even realize it.
2: <laughs> and
1: in <Dad. and laughs> I I would I would speak in a church and I would say things that were not appropriate in any language and I didn't realize it. They taught you this? No, I if you like put an inflection on the word in a certain way, or I translate it directly and it has a different significance. If you do it directly, Mm -hmm. than to put other significance on it. Mm -hmm. Like there's one specific word that you use. If you use it one way, it's a bird. But if you change the inflection on the same word, it becomes a pervert, um, a specific kind of pervert. (laughs) And I'm like, there's no English equivalent to this word, but everybody would just die laughing whenever I said it. (laughs) And I'm like, and nobody corrected me cuz i thought it was funny yeah but um i learned a lot of that i you know i had to push myself through i cried so much in the whole process of learning the language cuz people would laugh at me whenever i speak in a church the people would, the kids would sit in the back and they just start laughing and i'm like i don't know what i just said
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: maybe i said something really bad but i'm like no you're just keep doing what you're doing you're going you're going to get better at it same thing like like I said, you know, you can put a lot of elements with DDIP and, and exercise in motivating yourself to do that. I messed up a lot doing DDIP. There's so many times I just laid there on the ground until somebody came by and they would like, get up, you what, or get your butt out of the air, you know, whatever. And and you're just like, oh, you know, and it happens because you're just learning and you're, you, we're all human. And we all have what is our limits and, but a lot of times our limits are I put that on me and it's not really my limit. My limit's so much farther. Yeah. And so the same thing with with like doing things in the in the ministry, doing things in a foreign country in a ministry. I'm in a I'm in a country that's machista, very machista. Um um I'm a woman and I'm single. So I'm a pastor and a director of a mission in the middle of the jungle in a culture that's very man-focused. And I'm like, but what i'm that's what i'm called to do so just you know that's your problem not mine (laughs) and and a lot of it i'm just like i'm just doing i'm just being obedient to what i know i'm called to do and sometimes it's not easy and sometimes it is difficult but you just keep doing it because that's what i'm called to do i'm not every like they say i'm not everybody's cup of tea and that's fine you know go drink some other tea there's a lot of different flavors out there but um in, in general it's just like it helps you to push past because it's it, a lot of it is mental it's getting over the barriers um, it's exhausting sometimes it's difficult you know there's a lot of different things that happen and um, misunderstandings or <laughs> things like that but in, in the end it's all, it's just all worth it it's just so much fun to see hey I can do hard things I can do things that are more than I ever thought I could do I never thought I would do this I never thought I would live in a foreign country. But here I am doing it and I'm loving it, you know, and uh, even when I came back here, I'm just like, I, this is not my home anymore. This is not, it's fun. It's nice to catch up with people, Yeah. but I'm like, this is just not my norm. Yeah. So.
0: That's remarkable. I mean, that's, and that I, I noticed this and I told this, told you this the last time, I, obviously you're visiting, I believe you're, you're leaving pretty soon, but you sit here for a month.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, <clears throat> you know, in, in my limited interactions with you it is apparent that is you're not the same person i mean mm-hmm. you you are your heart and i can tell you know in a sense you are the same person but you're completely transformed it's like I, it's apparent that you are living and thriving in a completely different culture mm-hmm. and um that's remarkable and that, that's really that adaptation and the courage that it took to go do this and the difference you're making and. And just the, the day-to-day life that you, like you're talking about, this motor car earlier, mm-hmm. the guy who fixes the motor car. A motor car, correct me if I'm wrong, is a three-wheeled motorcycle. hmm So you went and uh, you got licensed to do that, and then that's how you get to and from the church? hmm Okay. Yep. Um And so that's why her back was hurting a little bit. So she came to see me and I appreciate her relying (laughs) on me. And it's like great when people, when somebody comes into the office, you know, all kinds of folks, most of them local, when somebody comes in, Hey, my friend 10 is coming in from Peru. She's bouncing down a rock, a dirt road on this motor car and her back is hurt. I'm I'm adjusting to somebody from Peru Mm -hmm. who's over there, you know, living a missionary life and and running a pastor of a church. It's pretty, it really spoke to me, which is why I pulled you in here to, I got mm-hmm. blow you some lunch and, and we're having a nice conversation. Um so <clears throat> Kama Lama Dama man. <laughs> I love that. Bring in dwelling and in, in the adjacent the rainforest and the people, the culture, mm-hmm. motivation. So um, so in closing, <clears throat> how many hours is it gonna take you to fly back?
1: Um it's not like a super long flight. I just have four flights.
0: Where, where, are, the, where are the...
1: So I'll down? be leaving from Syracuse, New York, and like at six in the morning, and then by eight o'clock at night, I'll be in Pucallpa. So Syracuse to... In, in overall, like if I do a direct flight from New York City to Lima, it's like eight hours. And then from Lima to Pucalpa, it's a one-hour flight. Most of, most of the day is sitting in airports, yeah. Waiting for the next, the next flight. So it's not super long. It's just a long day.
0: And what's the first thing you're going to do when you t- when you get back in town?
1: Um, probably greet my, my dogs because I have the three dogs and they're not eating and they're all sad. What are their names? Thomas, Eddie, and Shakira.
2: Shakira. Shakira. Sha- like Shakira. Yeah, Shakira, the dancer. Shakira. Yeah. Is she popular. <laughs> I did
1: that? not give her that name, but yeah, yeah she is. Well, she's yeah, Latin culture.
0: What do people, what do Peruvians uh, in Pucallpa, uh, what do they think of America? Um or they ask you about your, like...
1: I don't, well, in, at first, you know, I was like, everybody always like, they want to get to know me. Um, I think there is a general feel that... Even, even one pastor put it this way once. He goes, you could go to church wearing shorts and flip-flops and nobody cares because you're American, because you're a North American. Um, there is like, there is kind of a, sometimes it feels a little bit like it, it does draw attention. I, I don't see it as a negative thing. I don't see any of the negative. I walk my dogs almost every day and I've been doing it for five years, the same route. The same kids stop me every time and walk with us and they ask me to translate words they, what are their names in English? You know and they give me phrases. How do you say this in English? So they, and they all want to learn English. Everybody just wants to learn English. I, I get looked at like it's not um, common. I don't think I've ever seen a female American, a female white person, using a motor car. <laughs> so it's very rare, and every stoplight I'm at, there's always somebody looking at me. Thank God I'm not introverted by any means.
0: What do they call you? The, you said they call you, they had a specific name for you. La gringa. Oh, la gringa, the white girl.
1: Yeah. When Whenever anybody asks, like, if they come and they're looking for us in our community and they can't quite find where we're at, and they're, they start saying, you know, where's the mission? Oh, la gringa con los internados, The the white lady with the people who sleep over because I always have visitors from different parts of the country come yeah. so they they know me for that. Yeah. Or they call me the pastorcita, the the little pastor.
0: Pastorcita.
1: It's like a term of endearment. So. Yeah.
0: Now you said also um the other day I want to I want to recollect these because mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, you mentioned some things about um that I, I thought was a little little bit um I wasn't expecting. You said cuz the covid cooties came up and you said that um you know, it's a third world country, Peru. Right? Mm-hmm. So, um, developing nation, and you said that it wreaked particular havoc over there. Was a lot of, it was pretty deadly.
1: Like the per capita death was the highest in the world.
0: Okay, and then that um, I assume, you know, being mm-hmm. a developing nation, that maybe they were kind of like, ah, we can't, you know, nothing we can do about it. So the public health apparatus is not what we have in the West. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe they just kind of let everybody live their lives, but you said that the uh, the restrictions were far greater.
1: Yes, Tell me I, about I felt like um, we had to wear we had to wear two masks, and then one of them had to be a like K ninety five or something, and then you had to wear a plastic facial on top of that, mm. and then like as you walked into like a store or something, they would take your temperature. And then they would make you put gel on your hands. And then you would have to show your vaccine card to be able to enter. And if you didn't have any of those things, or if you had a fever, you hit the road. Mm -hmm. Um, It was more strict with that. We had, in the beginning, it was a lot of, like, you only had certain days that you could go out. I couldn't drive my motor car. I had to get a, a motor taxi to go to the grocery store. I wasn't allowed to drive my motor car. And then they had military armed guards outside of every, like, public area and they would they would stop you in the streets you know and and if you didn't have your masks on they would ask to check identity it was very very P- pretty strict. serious mm-hmm.
0: yeah. um and I, I contrast my my comment to that was that uh there's a a sense by certain segment of the population in the west that <clears throat> it wasn't uh, it was like a cold there wasn't a, mm-hmm. wasn't a big deal and so we, maybe there was overreaching some of the restrictions we had here, but yours your story contrasts with that in terms of the impression maybe that you had that people were we had restrictions, but people were going out through Starbucks and going out shopping and stuff mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> Whereas you know you said something about if you put your trash on the cur- on the curb, you yeah. might get arrested there.
1: Yeah, and in, in Lima, more likely you. I saw this in Lima. I saw this more in the city part. We live right out on the outskirts. So there wasn't like super control in a lot of areas. They would go through with with the loudspeakers on a daily basis and say, you know, curfew has started. And like you would see people like open their door at night to take their trash out and they would look both ways. And if they didn't see anybody, they'd run real quick, put it in the spot and the police would stop them. (sighs) And so they were giving out like fines and things like that for people. I'm not sure how they, what they were doing with that, but they it was on the news all the time, people getting arrested for taking their trash out. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I also um, asked you about, uh, you said that there was a lot of, um, because the jungle was right there, that there there was a lot of um, some cartel activity. Mm -hmm. And and so so, uh, you feel safe?
1: I feel, well, I feel safe. I have three very very big dogs and cameras but i'm also very prudent like i don't i won't go out at night if i don't have to because there are there is activity and the activity there is all day long either way but i feel safer during the day because i I tend to be vigilant one of the things i learned from you is like always make eye contact with the people in the street i'm i'm always looking around i'm always looking at everywhere i'm looking in the rearview mirror um, and just being prudent, I don't take my cell phone out in public, things like that, because there are armed robberies. They're um, usually they shoot first and then they steal. Mm-hmm. Like I just saw notice, some lady was killed for her gold ring. Mm-hmm. So just, but there's a lot of activity there because of we're like the second highest nation for exportation of cocaine products. Mm-hmm. Like even the U.S., like I think two years ago they gave us like two Black Hawk helicopters to help against the, the fight against drugs because if they could stop it here, it, it helps with the drug problem here yeah. in the States yeah. because our drugs end up here. Yeah, So
0: that's a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are interesting things. Um, so tell us the name of your mission mm-hmm. and if there's any way that people, if they wanted to support you mm-hmm. um, or keep in touch with you, How could they do
1: that? All right. It's called Youth with a Mission, and so it would be YWAM, Y-W-A-M, Pucalpa. And you can find us on Facebook or on Instagram, or you can find me directly, Marianne Lucas, in the same, in in Facebook and Instagram. And then from there, there's a lot of, all the contact information is there, usually um, like updates of what we're doing. If you want it in English, you'd have to find it on my page. Um, it's mostly in Spanish on the YWAM Pucalpa page. Mm. But if you wanted even just to follow, you know, if you want to see some interesting stories or some videos, um, I'm usually pretty good about putting stuff up, fun stuff, serious stuff, a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So on my page, it's a potpourri of whatever. Yeah. So my adventures in, in Peru. So, so, yeah. YWAM Pucalpa. Pucalpa, Peru. Yep. You don't even have to put Peru. You can just put YWAM Pucalpa and you'll... It'll pop right you up. You can find it in Facebook or in Instagram. Cool. I do not have TikTok. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm not there yet either. Yeah. Actually,
0: I think I might have it, but I uh, I don't... Um,
1: I might have it too, yeah, but I've never put anything on there. I was
0: trying to uh, kick the tires. I don't like feeling like an old head mm-hmm. and not really. I'm going to do this though, just to end it. I'm going to pull up something, the radio station from Pucalpa. Oh, there you go. All right, Radio Melodia, ninety three FM. See what we got.
1: It's an advertisement for clothes and shoes (laughs) and mosquito nets.
0: (laughs) Radio Verdes (laughs) Florestas. 95.7. Hello.
1: Let's get some music. <laughs> they have a lot of uh, love songs. Yeah. But that wouldn't be typical. That'd be typical Latin music, not necessarily Picapa.
0: popular, al final la <laughs> Radio Magica Lima as a major
2: research institution, ah, <laughs> all, we don't
0: want to hear any of those gringos. announces. Yeah. Well, ten. let me tell you something, my friend. I love you. I'm proud of you. And I am honored. And thank that you, you so you, much. That you chose to uh, come in and see me on your trip home. Now, uh-huh. I will not leave you in any choice. I want you to uh, make a habit of that. Whenever you come into town, please yeah. be sure you touch base and we'll we'll uh, come back do an update for our listeners. And I appreciate you coming on Making Motivation with Dr. Drill
1: excellent thank you so much all right my
0: friend senora uh hasta luego
1: hasta luego si all right